God, and I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and this is also the text for the sermon this morning. Revelation 3, verse 1 to 6. There, read the word of God. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's now pray for the preaching of the word. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Will you guide and strengthen your servant that he may faithfully proclaim your word? And boldly, open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our hearts to receive what you wish to present us. Grant reverence and awe as we listen to you, our holy and merciful God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are we a living church? And are you a living Christian? Beloved, these questions come to us with force in Christ's letter to the Sardis congregation. Am I a living Christian? And are we a living church? The first thing we hear about the church of Sardis is Christ's judgment. You have a name that you're alive but you are dead. Very sharp 
words, significant words. You have the reputation that you live, but you are dead. Well, imagine this being said to you personally. You are dead. Let's now consider what Christ says to the church of Sardis and examine ourselves in that light. Would it be possible that certain characteristics of the Sardis congregation are perhaps also present among us? Yes, in my own heart and life. I preach to you Christ's word for a church on the verge of death. Christ's word for a church on the verge of death. And we'll consider the following. Firstly, Christ's startling judgment, you are dead. Secondly, Christ's admonition, wake up and repent. Thirdly, Christ's threat, I will come as an enemy. And fourthly, Christ's promise, you may share in my fellowship. Beloved, what do you think of when you hear of a dead church? Don't we usually think of a congregation that's caught up in old habits, traditions, customs, and has become stale? Yes, people go to church. They go through the motions. Do all kinds of things that are expected of them. But there's no life. No warmth. No enthusiasm. It looks like more like formal outward service. The old customs and patterns seem to be what counts. The church radiates no strength or life. No outsider would ever be attracted to such a congregation. But beloved, this is not the picture we receive of the saddest congregation. The church seems to be living. You have a name that you are alive. You have positive reputation. People speak well of you. It seems that you're doing fine. Flourishing even. There seems to be no internal conflicts. No doctrinal issues. There seems to be a good harmony. And they strive to be a church in and for the world. People are favourably impressed. By them. They have a reputation that they're alive. The church visitors may even have reported that they're a living and active congregation. But now Christ says, You have a name that you're alive, but you are dead. Shocking words. Is this congregation dead? 
going all right in the church, is it not? Everything seems to be running smoothly. How can Christ and say you're dead? Well, imagine this would be said to you. The Silver Stream congregation. You are dead. You're happy with the things that are happening and feel everything's okay. And then you hear you are dead. Beloved, such words hit home hard. You don't expect something like that to be said to you, do you? Christ deliberately starts with such a sharp judgment. He wants to startle the congregation, awaken them out of their dream, force them to reflect. As congregation, you can't ignore such a statement. It must alarm them. Must urge you to examine yourself. Such a sharp word forces you to sit up straight and reflect. Beloved, from the rest of the letter, it appears that the congregation is not completely dead yet. The radical statement at the beginning is downplayed somewhat when Christ urges them to wake up. Apparently, something good is still left. After all, Christ says, strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. The congregation not totally dead. There are still some signs of life. And still some members who are faithful. In what way is the congregation then dead? Well, the majority seems to have fallen asleep. It's become comfortable in the church. No struggle from within, no persecution from outside. People are satisfied with what they've achieved. They're content with themselves. And you know, brothers and sisters, how dangerous this can be for the church. People are not really doing things consciously for the Lord anymore. They become complacent. And therefore Christ says, I've not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Yes, you still have deeds to show for. All kinds of activities are being done. Beautiful to see. It's not without reason that the church has the reputation of being alive. But Christ says, it's not decisive what people think and say. By human standards, you may be doing very well. But according to God's standard, you're well below the mark. Your deeds, how beautiful they may be, may seem, are not complete 
before God. Something essential is missing. Those works are virtually hollow. Empty, superficial. You can be very active inside and outside the church, but that doesn't mean much. Unbelievers can also do good things. And they can also commit themselves to certain good causes. But if your works are not done out of true faith and fervent love for God, they're empty. Without the right motive and godly focus, all deeds are empty. It's like a balloon. You blow it up, it looks impressive. But in reality, just air. Beloved, you'll understand that Christ does not expect perfect works. You'll never find perfect works here on earth. Even our best works are stained by sin. Christ seeks works that are complete or full before God. Works that have real value, lasting value before God. Works are full in God's eyes when they express true love, true faith in God. when you recognise him in it, when you do it for him, to his glory, when your life and actions are God-centred. Without that, they are nothing but tinsel. People may boast about it, but God is not impressed. To him, it's empty. This is a situation of the Sadas congregation. It's a pleasure to be there. Comfortable. It's a pleasure to participate in church life. No crisis from outside or inside. Everything's going smoothly. The sharp edges have disappeared. Yes, a sharpness of the gospel, a sharp two-edged sword has disappeared from the hearts and lives. And that's probably why there's no crisis at the moment. And outsiders are sympathetic. People are no longer placed before that radical choice for or against the Christ. And that radical, total submission to the Lord. In connection with this, the Lord also mentions the soiling of the garments. Such Christians easily let themselves be polluted by the world. 
The Christian garments are spoiled by humanistic endeavor. The members no longer take things so seriously. In such a cosy congregation, with its good reputation in society, you can't take things too strictly, can you? To keep up your good reputation, you must remain charitable, at least, must you not? In the meantime, you're polluting the beautiful clothes Christ wishes to clothe us with. The clothes, namely, Christ's righteousness and holiness. Christ then emphatically urges the congregation to wake up. Brings us to the second point. Christ's admonition. Wake up and repent. Wake up, Christ says, and strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. Instead of wake up, one can also translate, be watchful. The church is called to be vigilant. And not just now and then, but constantly. You can't afford to relax your vigilance. The history of Sardis underlines this. That city had twice fallen into enemy hands because of a lack of vigilance on the part of the guards. There must remain that consciousness, that anticipation of Christ's return. You must keep pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3 verse 14. And therefore, wake up. Don't be complacent. Pay close attention to Christ and his work and his program and timetable. Notice how everything is pressing towards the end. And hasten yourself towards the end, towards Christ. Strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. Due to lack of vigilance, a lot has already died. The life is out of it. Christ has disappeared, so to speak, from it. Hold on to the remaining signs of life. Take care that it doesn't also also die. Strengthen the works that are still done out of faith and love for God. And hold on to those members who have not fallen asleep. Work with that remnant so that from their life in the congregation may again gain the upper hand over death. Cherish what is still good and fight evil so that not everything is lost. Beloved, in this moving call, you hear Christ's heart beating for his church. 
he doesn't let go of her, but struggles for her perseverance. Life must return. Otherwise, it's totally lost. Church life must once again flourish to the honour of God. In this regard, it's good to note how Christ presents himself in this letter. He who has the seven spirits of God. And the seven stars. A very appropriate introduction. Christ stands there as the source of light and life. He has the seven spirits of God. He has at his disposal the fullness of the spirit. Of the spirit that gives life. Only the Spirit can make that which is dead alive again. Only the Holy Spirit is able to revive a dead church or wake up a sleeping church. Christ also stands there with the seven stars in his hand. Those stars are there to spread light Seven stars represent the seven pastors of the church. They're there to shine forth the word of God. To preach the gospel of Christ. But they can only shine, give light, through the seven spirits. There is still hope for the congregation because Christ comes to her as the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Christ has the power of life and light. He wants to bring life and light. Therefore Christ also continues, remember then what you have received and heard. Embrace it and repent. Remember how it went in the past when you heard the gospel, when you came to faith. What a joy it gave you to get to know God. What a love for Christ and his word. Beloved, in this way, it's good to regularly remind yourself of the time when you publicly professed your faith. Remember how you joyfully accepted God's promises and demands. Your life received a different motive and purpose. You consciously wanted to follow Christ in your life. You then experienced his presence and power a loving relationship with him. Well, remember this and hold on to the gospel you received. Don't let it slip away from you. Don't let the treasures of Christ you then experience slip away. Cherish them again. Repent. 
break with a deadly spirit of complacency, humanism, display again the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, how do you combat deadness in a church? How does love return, life return in a church? What's the secret of revival in the church? Well, often people suggest that all kinds of innovations can do the trick. To come alive again, the church would have to be prepared to drastically change the liturgy, for instance. To accept the trends of the day. To adjust to the needs of modern man. But what does Christ say to his congregation? How does Christ want deadness combated? Christ says, wake up. Be watchful. Strengthen the things that remain. Remember what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. Christ says, to live again, you must look back. Take hold of what you've received and heard. For a revival... You do not need to come up with all sorts of new ideas. But you need to treasure again the word of God, the gospel of grace, which you've already received and heard. Embrace anew that old yet most relevant word of God. That word that is living and powerful. Keep it. Live by it. Regulate your life accordingly. Be again excited about Christ and his gospel. Repent. Return to God and his word. Foster your relationship with God. Live in fellowship with Jesus Christ in true faith and love. That's the secret of true revival in the church. Christ continues, If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Here we hear the threat of Christ. The third point. I will come as your enemy. Beloved, those who remain asleep and don't heed Christ's call will be unexpectedly overwhelmed by him. You then do not notice any signs of his coming. Thus you're taken by surprise, just as a thief, thief, takes you by surprise when he breaks in. And what does Christ come to do? Well, you know what a thief comes to do. 
He wants to take away everything that's of value to him. So Christ will also, so to speak, break in your house. And he'll come not as a friend, but as an enemy. And he'll take everything away. He will make death complete for you. The lampstand will then be removed. There'll be no sign of life left. Only eternal death and darkness. Beloved, what a serious threat to those of us who don't remain vigilant. But let ourselves be alienated from Christ, the source of life. You grew up in the covenant, in the church. Your name is registered in the church list. But in the end it may appear that you do not belong to it. However active you may have been. Because you didn't stay alert. Because true faith, real love for God, disappeared. Because you pushed Christ to the background. How often you may have even mentioned his name. Your name doesn't appear in the book that God keeps for those who possess life. Yes, eternal life. Brothers and sisters, let this terrible judgment not overcome you. Be vigilant and faithful. Live in keen expectation of Christ's coming. Let everything be focused on him, his name and his kingdom. And brothers and sisters, for those who are faithful, Christ gives a rich promise. The fourth point. You may share in my fellowship. Christ says to those who have not soiled their garments, they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The same applies for everyone who lets himself or herself be awakened. If you repent, you'll receive those white garments. You may then adorn yourself with Christ's festive attire to celebrate as bride of Christ with him, the bridegroom. Yes, even to walk with him like a happy couple. What a paradise joy for those who conquer. Christ in his glory is not ashamed of you. He will allow you to share in his glory. For they are worthy, Christ says. How can Christ say that? Worthy? Are they so good by nature then? Well, you know better. Who is worthy of himself to have fellowship with the Holy Son of God? 
Christ saves. They are worthy. They are worthy. Because of the Spirit of God. Think of the seven spirits that Christ possesses. Because they, through the Spirit, repented, were faithful. They did not resist the Spirit, but let the Spirit lead them. They loved Christ above all. They took up their cross. Not an easy thing to do. And they held on to Christ in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. In word and deed, they confessed and served him as their Lord, whatever the circumstances. And therefore Christ will confess their names before his Father and before his angels. Yes, also before his angels. Are the angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Hebrews 1 verse 14. Everything is made available to those who conquer. Everything must serve us. The Father exerts himself for us. And the angels fly around for us to guard us in all our ways. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit has serious things to say. It must touch you and me. This can make you feel Uncomfortable. It can happen and don't be mistaken. It happens too often. It can happen that I have the reputation of being alive but am dead. Christ wants to disturb our peace and comfort. That peace can be dangerous, deadly, Christ wants to disturb my peace so that I remain fully awake and alert. Therefore, wake up and repent. Guard your relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hold on to Christ and his word. Serve him with true faith, firm hope and ardent love. Constantly seek his interests in church and society. Let his spirit guide you and equip you. Then you may enjoy his fellowship and glory now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for your deep concern for our salvation. That you also come to us with serious warnings. Grant that we all heed your warning. 
we acknowledge that it's so easy to become complacent and to live in the dream that everything's okay. Father, where there is spiritual sleepiness or deadness, awaken us through your spirit and word. Help us to remain fully awake and to remember the gospel that we have received and heard. To hold on to it and to conduct our lives according to it. Work powerfully in our midst so that we may truly be a living church and living members of your church. Not just in name, but also in practice. Grant that our activities within and outside the church may be found to be full in your sight. That it may have lasting value in your kingdom. Grant a living faith. Deep joy in you and your word. Hearts filled with genuine faith, hope and love. Hear us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.